And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just the trio of feathery brethren, weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like Scrammy's top with cheese. It's Philadelphia, Bo Sheel and Zach kicking it cooler than three penguins till Zach runs off with his valet keys. He's a real nuanced goose. Pull up a branch, get loose. It's time for some juice on some birds with friends. The early bird gets the worm, but prefers getting turned like a turn on some birds with friends. Boshiel and Zach coming at you with steps and things, flapping their wings on. How do you have time to consume all this content? You're listening to Dave Spadaro interviews. I I take the morning bike ride and I listen to. Oh, I want to hear more about that. But go ahead. No, the Schuylkill Trail. Really? Wow. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Wednesday, we'll call it afternoon, Bo Wolf here, joined by Sheil Kapadia, Zach Berman, and Marissa Morris. Sheil, you are back. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for, uh, you know, deeming us worthy of your presence. How are you doing? Well, I didn't appreciate your barbs. You know, I listened to the... uh... (laughs) I listened to the post-game pod. The guidelines were in place. I thought it, everything was clear. You know, it was Jalen Hurts, 11 and a half snaps or more, or more touchdowns than Carson Wentz. It's out there on Twitter for thousands to see. If one of those two things happened, I was ready to come on the pod. If they didn't happen, then I wasn't coming on the pod. Uh, yet you decided to take the opportunity <laughs> To just, you know, whine like the obnoxious little child that you are. You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think Zach had compared you to, uh, you know, a certain president in a previous episode. No, this is, you, did, uh, you know, whining, this, this comparison is offensive. You know, whining, That's the one thing that I object Whining to. about a result, even though the rules are in place, sounds like, you know, somebody else, uh, oh, somebody else I know. I'm just you know, saying, then, all I was saying is, I wasn't then, saying you were. And then, you know, you try to like push and like, oh, you dropped that post game and you have to come on the pod no excuse you're not my boss you know you think you have any influence on me i don't think so so i don't well it's clear i, I have you know, no I influence have to explain on you. myself to you so uh it, it was a <laughs> pathetic uh petty act by you zach and marissa great job on the pod really enjoyed listening uh bo you know where you can go that's fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's clear I have no influence on you. I was just, you know, trying to speak up for the listeners who, you know, certainly wanted to hear from you. If you're gonna you're gonna put your stuff in uh, in written form, you might as well join on the audio version as well. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. The 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 written form, uh, you know, that is what uh, pays the bills and puts puts food on the table. This is just nonsense. A couple times a week. <laughs> well, although it's to encouraging the, uh, to see to how how. <laughs> It's encouraging to see how many of our uh, listeners are subscribing to the Athletic right now. Uh, we can yeah, see that, how about that? that data. It's 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 rewarding to see. That's we true. You got a couple couple more days for the listeners to take advantage of theathletic.com/slash/birds with friends for the uh, fantastic one dollar a month deal. So, 
Uh, I guess plenty to get to, although really not that much to get to if you are, you know, as depressed about the Eagles as you have been for the past couple months. But uh, we'll we'll still talk about it because what else is there to do? So uh, we'll do the bird on the street, the squall twenty two, and uh, anything else that comes up. So uh, why don't we send it over now to our stone cold newsman for the latest on the three seven and one Philadelphia Eagles. And let's start off with the transaction column. Will Parks was waved by the Eagles. What a uh, what a Braylon. scapegoat. Yeah, like, yeah, that they there was such an uh, excitement yeah. when they signed this this local player and uh, the three safety packages and he can be used all over the field. Did not quite turn out like that. Did not get to finish his first and only season in in Philadelphia. The Eagles uh, waved him ostensibly to create more opportunities for Kayvon Wallace, uh, Graylin Arnold, who they promoted from the practice squad in the... Did we lose Zach? Oh, there he is. Okay. Yes. I am still here. Uh, So that's what stood out. I like the idea of, uh, of like, Eagles... Can Zach hear us? Zach, can you hear us? I can. Can you hear me? Mm. All right. I... Leave, leave all this in. Zach, right, yeah, call Zach. You you might as well be my seventh grade girlfriend because you're breaking up. Wow, what a flex! What a flex! <laughs> right, here I am. Seventh grade okay. girlfriend, huh? Look mm. at you. I had I had I, you know what's funny? I had three girlfriends in seventh oh. grade, and not and 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 not another girlfriend until uh, college. <laughs> I missed everything before. Bo the just flexing grade about his uh, his long <laughs> okay. and storied dating dating a real, history. A real dry spell now, throughout. Now with throughout with, the with rest Will of Parks, school. I would say you know they weren't lying when they said he was positionless. He literally. I mean, <laughs> yeah. couldn't get on the field, no position, and now not even on the team. So I, well, I, lo- I appreciate them, yeah. uh, you know, speaking truthfully there when they signed him. Yeah, I love the, I love the idea of like Eagles fans, uh, you know, storming Novacare with pitchforks, demanding, you know, demanding some red meat for the terrible season, and it's like, uh, who can we throw over? Who can we throw over? Uh, give it, give him Will Parks. See if that, you know, that does it, <laughs> does the trick. Poor Will yeah. Parks. So, th- so that was in the news from the transaction column. Uh, in terms of the team itself, Doug Peterson had an interesting press conference on Tuesday. You can read all about it on The Athletic, but some of the bullet points for the first time, really, that I, that I can remember, and I've covered his whole head coaching tenure here, he has uh, conceded the possibility that he would surrender play calling uh, if, if it was, you know, if, if he felt he was in a rut. He does not feel he is in that rut right now. But he said it is on the table. So that is something to acknowledge. He was asked about his job security uh, for the first time I can recall since the 2017 preseason when that topic came up. And he said he, he hasn't been talking to Jeffrey Lurie about it, so he has no assurances one way or the other. And he he mentioned that he's not that's, that's not in his headspace right now. He is focused on the Packers. Uh, so those were some of the, the highlights from Doug's press conference. And, oh, and he also said that, uh, they're not making the move to Jalen Hurts yet, but when, or if they do, it would be his decision. That was an interesting slip of the tongue. I thought if and when he went straight to, yeah, if, and when we make the move, yes, Uh, which was a little bit like the week before when uh, he, he volunteered the thing about the quarterback exactly. decision, and then there was a week of speculation about Jalen Hurts. It felt like uh, it, it could have been another another slip. Yeah, so uh, just – but but he made clear that's his decision. 
but and that then, but he also said they he meets with Jeffrey Lurie every week, every, which I think week. I think we knew, but knew, um, yeah. is still something to keep in mind. I yes. think as as we you know speculate about what is to come. And then the uh, the last thing I will mention in in the bird on the street is that we spoke with Jim Schwartz today, who uh, was was ready to talk about the DK Metcalf Calvin Johnson thing. It was it was interesting. I, I kind of liked the way he responded because. He he kind of fired back a bit at DK. Um, his his uh, his response wasn't like this was blown out of proportion. It, it it was first he said, "I can't believe paying a compliment to a player has become such a thing," and then he he went into talking about how nobody uh, in his coaching career has compared to Calvin Johnson, the best player that he's ever coached, the best player that he's ever coached against. And that anytime someone is in the same sentence as Calvin Johnson, they should be like like complimented, flattered by it. Yeah, he said uh, later the only person who could have possibly taken offense would have been Calvin Johnson. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I I actually liked that from from Jim Schwartz. He came he came punching back. He was you know he was not ready to say like oh, he should have done the press conference with his shirt off. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so uh, that stood out from Jim Schwartz's press conference today, and uh, I'm curious to hear Shields' thoughts on the game. Well, I, I think if this, if if it were reversed and like DK Metcalf was an eagle and he was doing this against like an you know an opposing defensive coordinator, we would probably be saying it's uh you know this is fantastic. He's just like looking for something. I think it is yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it, <laughs> totally. I, I don't think I don't I think DK Metcalf knew exactly what was happening, but you know professional athletes can be uh, sort of nuts with this kind of thing, and so he's like, all right, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll take it how I want to take it. And now with Jim Schwartz uh, firing back, I feel like, I mean, Metcalf's going to go for 200 every time he plays Jim Schwartz over the next however many years uh, Jim Schwartz coaches. So it was, uh, it was a funny, strange sort of uh, sort of controversy there. You you know, DK, you are, I, I coached Ify Animoma back in, you know, 2015, and you're as close as they come. Well, you know what was funny? I don't I don't think DK Metcalf knew who Jim Schwartz was, because did you see, I mean, he was like... He, yeah, you said a defensive coach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then they said, was it Jim Schwartz? And he right. said, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought yeah. he was like some random dude in a Eagles jacket is coming up telling me how he coached Calvin Johnson like I care. I'm trying to get ready for this game. <laughs> That's sort of how I. Uh, that's sort of how I read it. But Jim Schwartz likes doing this. Remember what did he say to Baker? May- Did he say something to Baker Mayfield back in yes. the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he 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 likes the way yeah, he that plays was a bad. T- like that, that was yeah. a bad take. You know, uh, I was yeah. duped too. Tells you about his yeah. talent identification. Uh, so anyway, that was funny. Uh, well, let's well, let me ask you about the the play calling, um, Zach. Do you think that that is something that we are going to see here? Well. You know, I, I it's on the table, like Doug said. I, I I certainly don't think it is immediate here, but I, I I do think that is a more likely option than or that would happen before they bench. Who Carson is calling? Play, who who would he be giving? What are you gonna get Skangs in there? Well, there's no shortage of options of people well, who have true. called I mean, plays, like, but I like think five guys. He could yeah, but I there. I think Deuce Staley is 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 the one who maybe like the organization wouldn't mind seeing him 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 call plays, no. and he. He's I actually been, think it would be Press Taylor. It, it probably would be Press Taylor. He's he's it, never but, done that in his career, I believe. Yeah, correct? Yeah. No. Yeah, he has. Uh, he has not. It would um, be funny if they just gave it to Marty. That's not. <laughs> or, I don't think yeah. that's off the table. I don't think it's off the table either. 
Um, and, and that's what they I do. I mean, all back. they do at every other position is, is give the job to someone who's done it before. So they might as well, they might as well do the same with the play caller. Uh, so, uh, Tory Smith chimed in on Twitter yesterday when, when it came up that, that, uh, Doug might, um, I, I guess might see the play calling. He put out, uh, Deuce's name there. So, mm. all right. Um, that would be a nice twist. I would be in for that. See what he's got. Give him a chance. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's it's something I, I that think it's, I think that would be almost unfair to Deuce because I mean I, I, I'm happy yeah. for him to get the shot, but like yeah, it's it's not he didn't design this offense. It's not his he, fault. He's like, the suckiest offense of the last 20 years. <laughs> Go have at it. This will yeah, really boost I don't want him stock. To, right, I don't want him to be judged on calling plays from a terrible. He menu. should refuse to do it. <laughs> <laughs> or he should do the J, he should do the JP. He should have Jason Peters tell Jeffrey Lurie that he's oh, that Deuce is only going to call plays if. He gets a raise, if he, but JP has to be the messenger. Or if he gets to become the head coach after the year. Yeah. Right. But, like, it's 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 not hyperbole to say, and I'm saying this for our, our listeners. You guys know this. Uh, like, the topic of play calling with Doug is, is sacred almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past, when we brought it up, he's mentioned that it's, it's the thing he enjoys most about being a head coach. Like right, he, and it's he, funny he, because he doesn't even talk about it like uh, like he's great at it. The way he talks about it is like he wants to do it because it's what he enjoys, and he yes. just want, like it's it's his it's his treat. It's to literally himself. the it's, only it, part of like the job the he enjoys. Spot. It's literally yeah. he hates everything else right now about being a head coach in Philadelphia. He would love to quit, but play calling for those three hours is kind of fun. Yeah. You know, it's like a video game. You're picking a play here and a play there. You're not sure what's going to happen. It's probably going to be bad, but you know. It's kind of fun. It's it's really it's it's been with him like every time it's 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 come up he's he's talked about it and when I asked uh, Doug yesterday uh, I I presented the question in such a way that I said I, I said you've been reluctant to to give over those responsibilities in the past and <laughs> Doug said that and I'm sure he was just joking. But his response was, "That's a harsh question." Yeah, it was said not reluctant. harsh at all. <laughs> yeah, but but it, it, to him, it is. It, I I really think the concept of him not calling plays is like such an affront to what he stands for. You know. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't really think that's the answer. I mean, they can try whatever they want. You know, you do these things when you're terrible. You do the the players only meeting. You simple quote unquote simplify. You give up play calling. Uh, you know, the plays at their disposal are what they are. And certainly I don't think he's doing a good job. He has done a good job in the past of calling plays. So I don't, yeah, I mean, that would shock me if they had a different play caller and all of a sudden it fixed even the slightest of the offensive issues. So uh, I want to do a I want to do a turkeys to the kingdom here on the seven options from Shields' article, uh, which were the Eagles do nothing, they sort of clip Doug's wings, keep him around, but bring in a this different play caller. This is after the season. This is after the season. Uh, yeah, they... because I I don't I don't believe they're going to do anything during the season. Right. Um, other than other than potentially taking away play calling, which is a thing that could happen. I don't know. I mean. I, I would be shocked. I would be surprised if it gets to the point where they fire somebody in season, but I don't think it's totally out of the realm of possibility. Um, so those three things, they they clip, they keep both, but clip both. Uh, they fire Doug, they fire Howie, or they fire both. So you guys work on that. We don't have to do it right now because I, I know I didn't give you a heads up about yeah, it. Yeah, thanks so, for you the know, prep fi- there. <laughs> figure, figure your turkeys out. 
and then we can we can address it after we get to the squall 22. So what we don't uh, we don't have to participate in that you're doing a solo segment now while we figure this out? No, just you know while we do the squall 22 when you're not talking, you can figure <laughs> out you can figure out where you want to put your turkeys mm. and then we'll come back to it at the end of the episode. Mm. Okay. Is that fair? I mean, no, but it's fine. You know, th- <laughs> when you ask me, I'll have an answer, and I'll probably uh, yell okay. at you for not giving us advance notice. That's right. fair. Yeah, totally fair. Uh, all right. Anything else from the uh, you know the latest the latest news and notes on on? The- well, what do you think about uh, you know the notion that uh, you know I, I know you guys kind of touched on this in the uh, piece you wrote the notion that Doug isn't exactly. Like, oh, my gosh, I need to do everything I can to keep this job right now. Um, And he's more, you know, I'll do my best. But if they decide to go in another direction, I got a Super Bowl under my belt and I've got other options. Well, what do you think about that notion? Well, I did think like it was hard not to take the, uh, you know, replica Lombardi trophy in the background of his Zoom call on Monday as. Hasn't he always had that, though? Or no? Yeah, but he but, hasn't given a press conference from his home in a while. Yeah, but 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 that was because of the NFL rules. So like, I don't think that was a a signal. They were not allowed in the office yesterday. I think it was kind of. I think it was not unintentional. Okay. I mean, maybe that's just his general background, but you know, you might as well take that flex. Um, I think. I think it's possible. I mean, you can sense the frustration from Doug, and it's hard to it's hard to blame him for being frustrated. Uh, you know, starting with at the end of at the beginning of the off season, you know, he gets he gets uh, overtaken on what he wants to do with his own coaching staff. So, you know, if if he were frustrated, I think you could certainly understand it. And if there is a sense that he could get another job right away, and there are going to be jobs out there where he doesn't have to deal with, uh, you know infighting with the front office if that is what is happening and you know maybe he has a quarterback who's not broken i don't think it would be crazy for him to be um you know not clinging to the job with every every last uh you know breath of life yes i i i don't think this is 2016 doug peterson where where like the the uh any head coaching job is is this this great uh you know sacred thing because He's he's won a Super Bowl. He's established himself as a coach. This is uh, this is a bad year, but uh, I I don't think Doug needs to or thinks he needs to like come publicly with his resume. You know he's he's uh, he's established, and this might be the type of thing where if the sides do agree to move on, it, it, I. I don't want to use the word mutual without like being able to say that definitively, but I don't think Doug would have a hard time finding an opportunity. And uh, this is a high pressure job with a lot of dynamics. And uh, there are opportunities out there elsewhere that don't come with either that, that pressure or those dynamics. Well, I think we've discussed the name Bob Lamont previously on the podcast, but for those who don't know, yep. this is the most uh, powerful coaching agent, you know, one of the most probably powerful behind the scenes guys in the NFL, not only coaches, but general managers, coordinators. I mean, he, uh, you know, reps, reps, uh, assistants, and then they sign sort of, uh, move up the ranks and he sort of places them, uh, in, on, on different teams. And so he has a lot of influence. This is Doug Peterson's agent. This is Howie Roseman's agent. But so the point is with Peterson, you know, this is a, this is an agent who would probably be able to tell him, 
uh, his chances or, you know, what destinations might be open what, what teams might be interested with a lot of those back channel conversations that have already been taking place uh, this year between owners and uh, general managers even and coaching agents. And so it is interesting sort of the timing of some of these reports that, uh, you know, maybe Doug Peterson wouldn't mind if there is, uh, you know, if he's in a different spot next year. And, and by the way, he's also uh, Dustelli's agent. Press Taylor, Press Taylor's yeah, agent. Right. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there are... Jack Easterby's agent. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there are a lot Brian of Brian Dable's that... agent. Yeah, so uh, there's there are a lot of dots that, that um, you know, after, after the season... And just looking back, like, you know, in, in the coaching search in 2016, mm-hmm. yep. you know, Doug Peterson was not getting looks from other teams necessarily. Nope. So it's not hard to connect the dots and say that, you know, Bob Lamont was pretty influential in, in Doug Peterson landing in Philadelphia to begin with. Yes, Andy Reid. I guess we should have probably mentioned that if it doesn't go without sure. saying. But, yes, Andy Reid is, you know, uh, I think it went from Holmgren to Reid. And then after that, you know, the guy was pretty much said it feels like. Off yeah. and running. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I guess we'll see what happens. All right, why don't we get to the Squall 22, Sheila? I can't believe that you actually watched it. Did you watch well, the whole game? Uh, yeah, I mean, I did not listen. I was I was okay. not rewinding and checking out personnel groupings on every play. I last night tried to go through this as quickly as I needed to. Uh, you know, this was different. I want to start with one one question for you, Yeah. if you, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Uh, you know, there are a lot of times where, uh, you know, it's like, you know, Carson Wentz is missing open receivers, and we're trying to judge these receivers in this bad offense. So I want you to tell us, you know, for a guy who's getting increased playing time, did you see a lot of juice out of number 17, Alshon Jeffrey? Oh, I thought you were going to ask about Caleb Wilson. Uh, no, <laughs> no, I did not see a lot of juice out of Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, really, uh, I know you guys touched on it. It's inexplicable. I mean, there's nothing designed to Travis Fulgham through like three quarters here. You're running a screen to Greg Ward. You're running a play where John Hightower is sort of going in that jet motion, and then you're throwing him a little swing pass to the left side. I mean, somebody, anybody explain to me why on earth you would be running these plays to John Hightower and Greg Ward rather than Jalen Rager and Travis Fulgham. I mean, we've talked at length about how important trust is for Carson Wentz. And in this lost season that he's had, the one bright spot has been that he seemed to trust Travis Fulgham during that, what was it, a four-game stretch? Four yes. game, that four-game four game stretch. He was throwing him the football with anticipation. He didn't have to be wide open. He was letting him fight for stuff. He had a great feel against zone. They were on the same page. You didn't have these crazy misfires and miscommunications that he has with every other wide receiver. And now you're cutting his playing time in half? For Alshon Jeffrey, I mean, it is just so symbolic of everything that is screwed up with this team from top to bottom that this is the decision they've made, and this is the thing they think will lead to better results offensively. There is no reasonable explanation for it. I th- I thought that all of us, um, after the bye, were kind of of the opinion that Jalen Rager and Travis Fulgham were going to be the top two receivers here. Right? Yeah. Uh, so it makes yeah because we are we're being like <laughs> we're having common sense. So it makes no sense to me whatsoever that Greg Ward leads the team in offensive snaps for the wide receivers. That uh, Fogelman and Jeffrey are basically splitting reps, right? And 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 that Jalen Rager uh, is on the he's on the field less than Ward. 
They're they're mixing Hightower in there. Uh, I mean, you would think that it's it's not that hard. Get get Goddard, Rager, and Fogum on the field just about every play. I mean, they had a they had a snap. Here's here's a snap that really stood out to me. Uh, second down in the red zone, right? This is a high leverage situation. I love this. Who knows how often one. you're going to get into the red zone with this offense? You need to take advantage down there. They go empty, and this is a play I had to rewind multiple times to make sure it, it was <laughs> not lying. You know, my eyes were not lying. They go empty with Richard Rodgers, Dallas Goddard, Caleb Wilson, Boston Scott, and John Hightower. You know what? You think Bobby Wagner and Jamala, do you, you think they might have had, uh, you know, peed their pants over that one when they saw the lineup there? They were so scared. I mean, imagine playing like the Chiefs one week and then playing the Eagles with this group out there in empty in the red zone the next week. On a, on, and it was, you know what else? It was second and it was like second and nine, I'm pretty yeah, sure. It so it's not even like you're, it's not even like you're faking, uh, you know, a short yardage run. There's absolutely nothing I to mean, it. Uh, Anytime you can go 13 and personnel when uh, Zach Ertz is injured. You, you 13 personnel with no John Hightower. 13 like, personnel Hightower with going? John Hightower. You have And without Miles Sanders. Without right? my, you you have Miles yeah. Sanders, Travis Fulgham, and Jalen Rager all on the sideline for that snap in the red zone. I mean, really, uh, that, that tells you all you need to know about how confused Doug Peterson and this offensive coaching staff is right now. Yeah, I mean, you have if if you are if you are ranking your top five offensive weapons, getting them on the field, that's that's one of them on the field. Incredible, Goddard. I yes. mean, really? How? <laughs> unless you're unless you're talking about Roger. I know we have a hardcore like. Yeah, it's uh, true. Dick Rod, the <laughs> Pro Bowl, go for we, the Pro Bowl. We have baby. a hardcore audience, but really, how many people watch that game and, and go, "Who the hell is eighty uh, three on the field right now?" <laughs> It had to. It it's had insane. to be a pretty significant percentage of the viewing audience there, even like legitimate Eagles fans. It's. I mean, and and look, I I like Greg Ward. He's a, he's a, he's a good story. He works hard, but like this idea that that they they drafted Jalen Rager in the first round. He doesn't return punts right now because they trust Greg Ward more than him. Greg Ward's playing on the field more than him. Uh, I it just it completely baffles me. I mean, Greg Ward is a great story, a great guy to root for, and in terms of a top three receiver on an NFL team, he's one of the worst. Correct. I mean, yeah. he's not a good player. It just in terms of top three receivers. I mean, he, I mean he, he's he, fine, but he's like he's, he's fine. He's like a he's like he's like um, what he's bringing to the table is basically Jason Witten at the end of his career. That's the kind of you like no yards after the catch and working the first six yards of the field. That's what you're getting. I mean, I I think it's more like Jason. Avon. No, he's not. He's nowhere near that good. No, I'm, I'm, that, I know. That's why I said toward the end of the career, not yes, yes. Like I, I think like the Chip Kelly era, Jason Avant, where third down he'll he'll if it's if it's third and four, uh, he'll. At least, in, you hope he he'd be in the right spot and he can catch. Them. Are 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 you uh, are you giving me uh, if it's third and four he'll get you four if it's third and nine he'll get you four? <laughs> <laughs> I, I always like that expression. That was the be, be Leonard Fournette. Expression. Yeah, basically, he had one catch for three yards. I think that yeah, I think that's a good description of him. He's I mean he, he's fine, 
But either like you said, he's a great story. He's maximized yeah. his talent. Ideally, you would really like to upgrade that spot if you have more talented players with you know more athletic ability. But that's what I'm saying is is that they should look at the depth chart and say they do have more yes, talented players. Exactly. And if 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 Jalen Rager is not the more talented player, then that is like an admission of the you know. So I I don't mean to get on on the on the punt return thing. But on draft night, when when they were talking about Rager over Jefferson, um, and it was it was more implicit than than explicit. But they were talking about how how Rager's really going to up, upgrade them on special teams. And then here we are; it's week twelve, and we're asked why uh, why Rager's not out there. And the conversation is, well, he has a big workload on offense. He he played less than 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 uh, than Greg Ward on on offense, by the way, and and that uh, <laughs> that you know they they wanted to get him out there, but you know it has to be like like the certain opportunity, which basically means like they don't trust him in 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 punts that are backed up, right? Um, so I just I just don't get it with uh, with with everything that's going on with the other rookie receivers and what the season's going. Have Rager out there all the time. Do everything you can of to maximize course. him. It, it it confounds me. He's 19th among wide rece- rookie wide receivers in receiving yards. He has 55 more yards than John Hightower. Not great. I'm sorry. I'm trying to look at these <laughs> these Greg Ward numbers, and uh, they uh, are not good. Uh, we don't need to. Yeah, I don't think we need to spend time yeah, crushing I mean, Greg Ward. Yeah, Everyone I mean, can. Exactly. Yeah. He's got like 40-something catches, and who, six of them are for 10 or yards or more. At least he tries. At least he's yeah. Uh, yeah of you course. Know, uh, yeah, yeah. He's the he's the least of their exactly. issues. It's the it's a, the coaches deserve to be get crushed. Well, and it's the offense too. Not, I mean, the, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he could catch the ball for 15 yards if he was asked to run the run past yeah. 10 yards down so, the field. So anyway, whatever. What what else? Uh, all right. What else? Uh, really? You know, who cares? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like what, <laughs> how bad the, is Carson yeah, I mean, Wentz? Wentz? It's the same issues really over and over again. I mean, so uncomfortable, so unsure of himself. I mean. There was a play, I forget who, if it was uh, Rodgers or Goddard, where it's obviously his first read. The guy's wide open. He's looking right at him, and he just does, and he doesn't trust himself to throw the ball. And then he scrambles and throws incomplete to Miles Sanders. And those plays just show up week after week. Now, I will say in this game, uh, you know, in the past, I've sort of said that the offensive line issues have been overblown. He, he was under pretty consistent pressure in this game for sure. Uh, and also, they were creating a lot of separation against, you know, man coverage. This was not a game where there were guys like a lot of guys wide open or a lot of missed opportunities where there's some, sure, but there were just like issues all over the place. His accuracy continues uh, to certainly be all over the place. And so, I mean, I have zero hope that he's going to get this turned around this year. You know, it's we're going into week 13, and the issues you see are not like, I don't know, they don't seem like quick fixes. They seem like a sort of, break it up, you know, tear it all down and build it back all back up type deal with processing, with accuracy, with all those different types of things. So you would, well, we've already talked about you would make the move. Well, I think this is interesting. You know, I I think that the, what, what happened, I guess, between our, our Friday pod and actual kickoff was pretty interesting last week, right? Where uh, I think it was Jeff Bosher, right? Who said that Jeffrey Lurie, um, was the one behind saying Jalen Hurts should play more. Uh, Tim McManus, NFL Network, both said that he was getting first-team reps. And then Doug Peterson plays him only two snaps. Like, that, I don't know. That 
two That's snaps. very interesting to me. You know, I look at it as one of two uh, two things. I mean, one of it is Doug Peterson sort of giving the and I'm giving the middle finger might be too harsh, but basically saying, "Listen, I'm in my fifth year coaching this team. I coached it to a Super Bowl. I'm going to decide." which quarterback I want to play. If you want to decide which quarterback you want to play and you think you know who can give us the best chance to win, then go ahead and fire me and go ahead and do that. But as long as I'm the coach, I'll make that decision and I'm sticking with Wentz. Uh, You know, that's one interpretation. I guess the second interpretation is pretty much connected to it. But, you know, there's a chance that Hurts is not good behind the scenes, Uh, that they're watching him at practice, that they're in the meeting rooms with him and they're saying, Oh my gosh, you know, like this guy, like we can't throw him out there. He's going to be a complete disaster. Now, uh, that could be what they're thinking, but that's also, I think, an indictment on the coaching staff when you look at some of these other rookie quarterbacks this year. You know, Justin Herbert found out five minutes before a game he was going to play, and he's been, he's going to set every, you know, rookie quarterback record in NFL history, potentially, if he finishes strong here. Joe Burrow was very good. Uh, you know, Tua gets in there. And so, like, other rookie quarterbacks have had shortened off seasons, And so they've had 12 weeks to sort of work with Jalen Hurts well, and figure out a package or a way to adjust the offense to make it work for him. I mean, this is a coaching staff that had to, in one week, figure out how to you know adjust the offense for Nick Foles back in the day, or at least a head coach who had to do that. And so... I don't know. I mean, even if Hertz is really bad, I mean, he would have to be really, really bad, which, you know, it's possible that that is what's happening, that he's really struggling on the practice field, uh, in the meeting rooms, whatever, that they just feel like they can't do it. But at the same time, I would think the coaching staff would be able to uh, adjust something and give him a shot, given how much Wentz is struggling. I think the lack of creativity that we've seen from the Hertz packages all season long, those are a, a real indictment of the coaching staff. I think if he's that terrible in practice, that's an indictment of the front office. Could be. And and what Shield was saying there about uh, Doug having that decision, uh, I I imagine that was the root of Bo's question yesterday to Doug, right? Like like when which was she if, was yeah, saying has, has Jeffrey weighed in on on the quarterback yeah. position? When she was saying like Doug's you, you, you know the front office isn't or. Or, or 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 shouldn't be telling Doug who to play quarterback. Then and, and and this was Doug's response to it. I imagine that was yeah the the root of the question. And and Doug made it emphatically clear. He said that decision is mine. I mean the other the other possible reading of that sequence of events is just the reports themselves were were much ado about nothing. Like you know Jalen Hurts took a handful of you know more snaps with the first team than before, and uh, you know Jeffrey said y- if you want to play him more you can, and that's that's just sort of normal normal business. But what you can take from those reports is is that somebody wanted that out there, right? That, sure. That uh, that Hertz was was more involved in practice and and was going to play. Like yeah. Like those weren't made up. You know, there were yes, yeah, someone wanted the public to know that that the Eagles are thinking about this. So whether it, you know you can have whatever theories you want, but. Uh, but there was a reason why those. Yeah, my understanding like that. is that there was a plan to have him more involved, but uh, I, I I am not clear where I don't think that the plan was to sort of have him replace Carson Wentz. Now, 
I don't know. That that's just sort of you know what. Well, and one of the funniest things that that the, the like just a, a crazy thing that Doug said after the game, he was asked about that like the one snap. <laughs> where Hertz was on the field and Carson Wentz was off the field. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, that gives us, a, a, you know, an interesting dynamic. You know, they, they have to account for the other receiver. So that's why we did that tonight. Like, you did it for one snap. You didn't do it. You didn't commit to that. You didn't, like, put the defense in a bind. You did it for one play. Yeah, he was really talking about it like they just unleashed this great uh, Hertz right. package. That was hilarious. And then he made it seem like, but there's no way Hertz can be on the field for, for, for third and eight. You know, when when he said, well, we're in a third and long situation, so we have to put Carson back out there. I mean, it, it just it, 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 does, no it does make sense going back to his previous comments, though. You know, the clumsy handling of the question a week before was that because he was getting pushed to play Jalen Hurts and, you know, he didn't want to just come out and be totally. Um, I don't know what the what the word is I'm looking for, but just come out and say, no, Hurts isn't playing. Wentz is my quarterback when maybe higher ups in the organization had just told him, you know, we might want to think about going to Hurts. It, it, I mean, think about what he said a few weeks ago. He he equated playing Hurts to basically throwing in the towel on the season. Like like the idea that Hurts right. could actually help the offense was not even part of his thought process in the heat of the moment when he got asked that question. That, to me, uh, you know, lend, lends me to believe that what he's seeing behind the scenes, he doesn't think that Hurts, Hurts is anywhere close to being able to help them right now. And and uh, and to that point, uh, Jeff McLean asked a very direct question to Doug: uh, Were you on board with with the Jalen Hurts draft pick when it happened? And uh, you know, I, I I think that the uh, the story there would be that that um, this was something forced upon Doug, right? That that uh, this was a decision made by Howie or, or, or made by Jeffrey, and and I I would say made by Howie and 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 Doug. Uh, doesn't want to see soft quarterbacks in and out. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm of the belief that every personnel decision, Howie is responsible for better or worse mm-hmm. for. I mean, really, remember mm-hmm. Doug, I think Bo and I had the podcast. What draft was that, Bo, where he said the eye contact thing? 19? Yeah. I mean, the, the, <laughs> I think that it was, was literally yeah. his response to, you know, hey, do you, who was it about? Sanders or Ortega Whiteside? I don't even remember who the player was. Or Dillard? Was it Dillard? It, basically, think. he was asked, you know, when this player's. Right, he's like sitting <laughs> yeah, in the corner. When this like, player. Just trying someone to asked him. Catch Howie's yeah, when eye. this player started to slip, did you kind of go over to Howie and tell him, like, hey, let's go get this guy? And he goes, he goes hey, you make some eye contact there. So, I mean, <laughs> give me a break. Like, Doug Peterson is not making personnel decisions. It's been that case uh, yeah. the entire time. And so to pin any personnel decision on him, to me, is completely unfair. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. One quick thing, thi- real quick, go by ahead, the way, ahead, uh, uh, and this just just quick breaking news: Eagles activated Zach Ertz from IR, activated JJ Ortega Whiteside from the COVID nineteen list, and they put Lane Johnson on IR. Mm. Bo, Bo will be Finally. able to sleep tonight. Yeah, yeah. I've been thinking a lot about one thing you said on the post game podcast, Zach, about how uh, Jeffrey Lurie, you know, views that position much more as you know the the macro team builder than just. Um, analyzing individual, you know, draft day choices. Yes. And the more I think about it, the more like the more that is an indictment of Howie. Like it's even worse than if it was vice versa. Because everybody's gonna miss on draft picks. It is it is the macro team building philosophy that has this team in its situation right now. I mean if even if uh Jalen Rager was really good or even if JJ Ortega Whiteside was playable. The, the team would still be in terrible shape because of the the long-term big-picture decisions the organization has been making. So, I don't know. I'm just, I've been thinking a lot about that and how, how, that, how that is even worse of an indictment of, of Howie than you know, just missing on some draft picks. Zach was firing off a tweet there. He might not have heard what you... Uh... No, no, I did. I, <laughs> I, 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 I heard exactly what he said. We were talking about... Yeah, and, and I, I can say uh, with confidence, Jeffrey does view that position... Uh, like he he's even made remarks publicly that that uh, this idea that the personnel executive you know just needs to be sitting in the room looking at tape is is I don't know if he said antiquated but is is not the way the the personnel executive is viewed and um, you know I I think like the way Theo Epstein uh, was in baseball like like that's that's kind of the model is is you you uh, have your hands on all these different aspects of the organization and, and and there are people under you uh who are who are i guess reporting to you who are doing a, a lot of those things that 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 we've long considered to be the GM's chief responsibility. Well, I would ask and I you know this is this this is what I I wrote about is that well wh- where are the areas where you feel like Howie Roseman gives you an edge then right now you know is it uh so I, I think we can be clear that right now it is not talent evaluation now there's a um i guess a larger conversation to be had about whether anybody is a great talent evaluator in the draft because mm-hmm. of sort of, you know a lot of it is just a lot of the analytical studies would tell you you just want to draft for volume and get opportunities and have a good process and you'll hit some and you'll miss some i don't think we can say their process is great given the volume that they've uh drafted here in the last couple mm-hmm. couple of years the talent evaluation no you know i i don't think uh, at any point, I wouldn't say sort of building a great culture was like among his strengths. I think when he, you know, when he had success, his strength was sort of being, um, you know, savvy with 
resources, you know, not doing some of the dumb things that teams do in terms, in terms of paying for running backs or really old play, you know, th- those types of things. I don't think he made like uh, dumb trades uh, for, for a lot of that time, but right now, and when you look at the last three years, I don't know that he's like a, uh, giving you an edge in any of that, those categories. I mean, is there an area where you would say he's definitely at least still good at this. I mean, salary cap used to be the one people would point to. Their their cap is a mess right now. I mean, they're among the worst in terms of cap situation going into 2021. So is there an area that I'm missing? Well, and they're not among the worst um, because they're among the worst because they've committed to older declining players. And it's not like this, the salary cap itself is a mess because there are easy ways to, you know, move money around and they'll be, they'll be fine in that capacity. But What's the problem is the people taking up the big part of the cap space are not good enough. Um, and like the, the what, what are the big picture team building philosophies of the Eagles right now? It has been to extend uh, older declining players. And, you know, what was their big move this offseason to remake the defense to try to uh, to try, you know, to, to prioritize defense over offense in the year 2020. And how is that working out? That's a good point. And uh and you know, I I've been thinking a lot about this. Uh, I I I admit I, I I have a bit of a, like a fascination obsession with with team building, roster management, and I I, I don't mean to bring up Theo Epstein again here, um, but but he's he's someone who Jeez. I've who I've I, I've I've read a, a lot about, and and is he uh, is he like approaching Saban level for you? <laughs> uh, oh, Theo's above Saban level for me. Oh, um, but but uh, that's but got when, a folder all to itself. Watch code. out! But but when Theo <laughs> stepped down, Theo. but when Theo stepped down, he had a statement um, that that I, I I thought was 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 really like well said, and I thought about it in relation to Howie. Where he said, you know, he said, if you look at my track record in Boston and then here, the first six years or so, we did some pretty epic things, and then the last couple years weren't as impressive. Maybe what that tells me is I think I'm I'm, I'm great at and really enjoy building and, and transformation and and, and and triumphing, and maybe not as good and, and not as motivated by by maintenance. Now that's obviously not apples to apples with Howie, but but what I mean is that from a roster building perspective. There's there's different phases. There's the building of it, yeah. and then there's the maintaining of it. And I think that Howie, from a strategical perspective, uh, might be much better at the building of it than the maintaining of it. Am I still here? Yeah, and there are yeah. all kinds of like you know psychological reasons why why that makes sense because once you do the building and you do a good job at the building, of course you're going to overvalue the players who helped you mm-hmm. get there. Like you're going to have some of that sentimentality. Um, and you know, maintaining is hard. So yeah, exactly. I mean, that, and it's and, I would, and it's sense. also I think the it's, it's true the the principles that it takes to build are a lot different than some of the principles that it takes to maintain. And and when you talk about you know the the strategy as 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 Bo did a great job writing about getting from thirteen to two right or or finding some of those undervalued assets. Um, that's a lot different than 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 what it takes to either move on from Super Bowl players or do well when you're drafting later or have a, 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 a dearth of draft. That sounds like a great story or column idea, I feel like. Hmm. Nobody's interested. It's all interconnected. It's all interconnected. All of that stuff is harder if you, like, have, if you have misidentified the quarterback. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely right. agree with the, the that that is a is a great point by Zach that the inter, you know his strength is probably you're in a bad situation. How do you tear it down and get yourself going in the right direction? And he and listen, he did. He is the only GM who built a Super Bowl team in the history of this franchise. And so like no one can ever uh, take that away from him. But it's a matter of this team, where it is right now and where it wants to go forward. Does he give you an edge? You know, if you're if you're uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, maybe and where they are. Maybe they would say, wow, we, you know, we would take him and take Howie Roseman in a second. We've seen him build from where we are right now into like at least a respectable team and eventually a Super Bowl contender. Uh, but if you're Jeffrey Lurie and where you are right now, is it, it, it might be a different uh, evaluation. Yeah, it's the same. You know, it's, it's um, just because it's possible these guys might not be right for this current situation doesn't mean they're bad. Correct. Yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah. Doug, we could have the same conversation about uh, Doug Peterson. Exactly. I had, I had one quick squall 22 question for, um, for shield before, but because the conversation turned more philosophical there. Uh, The uh, Darius Slay question, how did you think Darius Slay played? And Schwartz spoke a lot about it today that, that like when they play the Seahawks, they have an idea how to play that team. And 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 they need Darius one on one. Yeah, I mean, I I think it was it was mostly. I, I mean, I didn't chart the coverage snaps, but I would guess it was mostly cover one, where it was just single high safety with a you know, and, and you're playing man coverage, and it was Slay matched up with Metcalf. I mean, uh, yeah, watching it, it, it wasn't like some of the games last year where you're just like this corner is getting cooked on every play and has no chance. You know, it it was not that. But at the end of the day, when the guy has a career day receiving and you are supposed to be a number one corner and the team gave up multiple draft picks for you and is paying you what they're paying you. That's got to be considered uh, a bad day. There's no doubt about it. And so, uh, you know, this goes back to me, it just goes back to the team building thing, which, you know, Bo wrote about this in the day after, but like, I don't know. It's like, it's like Jalen Ramsey. And then who else is like that? Who right now you would say, all right, this corner, lock them on to uh, DK Metcalf for a game and they're going to shut them down. I mean, they're, they're, in that, yeah. The list might be Jalen Ramsey, you know, maybe st- uh, I, I forget what it, what. Uh, no, he had a good day. Oh, he did. Gilmore, okay. All right. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, Gilmore would be another guy in that. Uh, Tredavious White. I don't know how, I don't know if they yeah, played. They did play. Uh, now, now the bills don't play like nearly as much. They don't, aren't mm-hmm. going to play the uh, percentage of man coverage that the Eagles did. So it's a little bit different, but yeah, I mean, just that is really hard to find J- Jalen Ramsey uh, type corner and Darius Slay is not a Jalen Ramsey type corner. I wrote about this when they made the trade. I mean, look at the numbers last year, every team that had what they felt like was a stud wide receiver. They did not shy away from Darius Slay. He does not take away half the field. Now, again, having said that, he's he's played well this year. There's no doubt about it. Again, this is probably going to be the best version of him you're going to get. He's going to be 30 going into uh, next year. And so uh, he was among the reasons they lost. But like like if they would have had a plan to double team DK Metcalf, then we're probably talk, talking about a Tyler Lockett 150-yard game. So uh, I don't have an issue with like Jim Schwartz's approach to this game. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't think it was an approach issue. It was just you know you hope you hope that one on one he's going to do better than ten for one seventy seven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. I'm just curious, and 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 we talked about this af- after the game. Like Slay has 
played real well, obviously, the first half of the season. But these receivers who are the top receivers, they're coming in the second half of the season. Uh, you know, he, he really hasn't had – I mean, Terry McLaurin's a good player. Amari Cooper's a good player. But Their quarterback I mean, he gave up a big catch at terrible. the end of the Browns yeah, no, game, right? Like, yeah, but, yeah, but like you, you look at, 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 uh, at Devontae Adams this week. They have DeAndre yeah. Hopkins – in a in a few weeks, Michael Thomas is is used a little differently. But when you talk about Slay being able to go in, into the slot, like this stretch here, are the type of receivers who who you got Slay yeah. to go against. And if if Devontae Adams goes off this week, you can't just say, "Well, this is a good player," and it's 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 one on one. Slay hung tough. Like you need Slay to win these matchups for you. Now, big picture, like well, two things. One. It, it is an indictment of the team building because Slay's been good. The defensive line has been good, which is what they were banking on, and the defense overall has not gotten any better. It's basically at the same level. Um, well, so that, yeah, well, so I, I I have a thought about this, and uh, I was I, I alluded to this when in in this morning's column when I, or, or the email back and forth when I was saying I expected them to play more th- – uh, three safety and use that positionless thing. They've played more base defense than any year I can remember. They're they're around forty percent, and especially these past uh, few weeks, I, I mean they've been closer to fifty percent. There, I, I I would need to look that up, but well, but, but that's who they're playing. But but my point is this: like I I think teams. I, I don't think it's coincidence. I think teams want their linebackers on the field. I think that's true, but it's also that like like the Giants and the Browns play multiple tight end sets. I'm pretty sure forty nine like, ers Rams. Yeah, I mean you would. Right. I, it, it's a, it's a good question. I think it's one you would you would actually have to look and say, all right, when these teams are in their, uh, you know, whether it's two tight end or twenty one personnel, what are the Eagles matching with? Are they playing more of those personnel groupings against the Eagles than other teams? That type of thing. Well, the Giants did do it more in the second matchup than they did in the first, so okay. I, I do think that was a game plan thing. Um, the Browns, you know, that is their offense, but, but, it, but yeah, it, it's, it's something. It is. We can it's look a at. great point on Slay. Yeah, let's see how he does here because the, I mean, those are the guys you would need to match up with potentially in a playoff game, right? It's it's Hopkins and uh, Hopkins and Adams and Michael Thomas. I mean, you're talking about all the playoff teams, uh, DK Metcalf, all the playoff teams basically have a number one receiver like this. And so if you're going to invest the resources to get your number one corner, uh, instead of addressing issues on the offensive side of the ball, then it better be worth it. So that it, that will be a fun thing to watch here in the next month. All right, maybe not fun. Fun might be the wrong word there, but right. uh, something worth watching. Informative, yeah. yeah. And the flip side is for just this game, I mean, the defense was still really good. And, you know, giving up 23 points when the offense was as putrid as it was and, you know, continued giving the ball back with in bad field position was a really good performance. I would, I would say, say it was say. solid. I thought you were putting them in like the 85 Bears uh, category in the postgame. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to I mean, much. really, because like the, you know, yeah, but like we've seen nothing from the team yeah, all year long. Yeah, I know like, it's you, fair. You, you, can, yeah. you, can you uh, can you understand me like reacting to a little you know, bit? You know, they juice? have a fourth and one like crazy uh, play call, which the Eagles get credit for stopping. But you know, like if that scores, then you're giving up what thirty points. Uh, yeah, you know, probably. they had another failed fourth down. They had a fourth down where they didn't go for it because Pete Carroll is so results uh, 
results focused and like if they would have gotten the first two fourth downs he definitely right. would have gone for the third one and then in his post-game presser he said he did a terrible got job coaching in the first right. quarter because he went for the fourth downs it's incredible but uh yeah so i i do think they were like you know a couple of plays here and there that would it, but overall the defense has been fine. Yeah. The defense has been pretty much exactly what I thought the it's defense the would be like. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like I, and, and to Bo's point, I, I, I have someone on, on Twitter who's just like pounding me about Jim Schwartz and I finally flex. responded. <laughs> no, that's it's definitely not a flex. And I was like, if, if, if you watch that game and your biggest issue was, was Jim Schwartz's right. scheme, then we watched like, a totally different game because I don't think Schwartz's defense. I mean, there have been times this year where Schwartz's defense was the problem. I don't think that was the problem against Seattle. And I think, I don't think that's the reason they're three. It's really at the point, And and it's a big picture discussion that we've had before, but uh, I'll flex as I was writing my national stuff this week, just looking at it and then thinking about it through the Eagles. Like you either have to have the great play caller or the great quarterback and, you know, if you have both, then you're the Chiefs. But if you have neither, like, you have no chance. And so it's really interesting in the when you look at the Carson Wentz situation through that lens. Because, really, I mean, what do you – is he going – he's not going to be, like, a top-five guy, I don't think. I think if you're, if you're optimistic that he can rebound and get back, then you're thinking of, it, of him as a top-10 or 12 guy. And that's only going to be good enough if your play caller – is like among the elite. And so the play caller is probably easier to find, obviously, than the, uh, you know, the top five quarterback. And so it's it just kind of, you know, I, I just feel like if you don't have one of those two, you really have no chance. I mean, look at all the best teams. Like you might catch lightning in a bottle one year, but sustained success. Like you have to have one of the two, the offensive coach who's just ahead of the curve and knows exactly what to do with his personnel and who all the film grinders are drooling over on Twitter uh, every, every week just because of what he did with a specific motion or formation or wrinkle off one of his base concepts. You got to have that guy or you have to have the quarterback like basically like Russell Wilson who is just like all right you know you can throw sort of these average offensive coordinators out there it's okay you're still gonna have a top five offense without one of those two you really have no chance and so whether you're rebuilding from scratch or whether you're in a position like the Eagles are I just think that's pretty much how you have to approach it it's probably easier for me to say than if I was actually in charge and having to do it because those things that I said aren't easy but really like I feel like that's what NFL is coming down to in the year 2020. And how do you go about finding one of those two things this offseason? One is, you know, potentially trying to hire a different coach. And the other is using a pick that you're going to have in the top five, you know, or, or outside near the top five, potentially on a quarterback. And you have to do your due diligence on that. And that's also part of the reason why I think Jalen Hurts has to play so you can know or at least have some information whether he factors into that decision or not. I I think differently. Like I agree with with what you're saying in in, in theory, but I think their entire focus this offseason is going to be getting Carson mm. right. I think that's short sighted. I mean that, that Yeah, I mean that that should be a focus until they decide whether they're going to take a quarterback in the draft if you know if they're wedded to it, but I think, you know, hinging the organization on uh, just trying to turn around Carson Wentz, I think, is a mistake. I don't think said. you force it. I mean, but if you have a you know top five, top ten pick, 
and there is a quarterback now, you know, not to say that they've been like, uh, you know, unbelievable in their evaluations. We don't know who's going to be evaluating. Um, but anyway, if you, if whoever is making the decision falls in love with the guy and says, you know, this guy has a chance to legitimately be one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, I feel like you have to pull the trigger on that, you know, not to break out the quarterback factory thing, yeah. but you could figure out what to do with Carson Wentz at that point. So I, I don't think you force it. And I agree with, uh, with Zach that if it's not there and you have another player that you love, uh, then absolutely go ahead and use your pick there, but you, you definitely cannot ignore it. And it has to be a possibility uh, for you. I think they would just have an easier time telling unless there is like, unless you blow up the whole organization. And, and I, I know we'll get to that when we do the, is it, is it turnkeys to the kingdom? Um, yeah. Uh, that uh, if, I mean, let's say they're sitting there at, at uh, I don't know, five. Okay. And you, the top two quarterbacks are off the board. All right. And, I think they would have an easier time saying, well, let's take uh, Panay Sewell and get an elite left tackle, or let's take Jamar Chase and get an elite wide receiver than they would saying, well, let's let's roll the dice with the third quarterback in the draft and move on from uh, uh, from uh, from Carson Wentz. I, I don't think they'll go in that direction. Uh, like, I think the only way they go in that direction is if is if they're sitting there and it's it's like it's it's an obvious quarterback. Well, their evaluation could be different than other teams, though. I mean, True. you know, Jared True. Goff went before uh, Carson went, and so if it, if it is a guy who they have up there and they they've done the work, I mean, at some point you do just have to trust your scouting and your evaluation. You've got to try to get your, especially with quarterback. I mean, think of what they had to do to be in position to get Carson Wentz, and so when you have a pick that that's high you have to consider it. Yeah, but I'm I'm saying that I I I think they would have an an, an easier time accepting the fact that uh all these things around Carson are contributing to the problem that that the offensive line uh is old and injured, that the receivers aren't good enough, that 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 the play calling's failing him. Like I I think they would have an easier time looking at that than saying the player went from where he was to where he is. Maybe it it, it will uh yeah, it could be a very interesting draft season for sure. Uh, I have one uh, separate quick Squall 22 question for you, Shiel. Um On TV, it looked like Jordan Mailana struggled a little bit with just picking up, um, you know, some blitzers, but he played well when it was just, you know, one-on-one blocking. But Doug sort of threw, you know, him and Pryor and Peters under the bus in saying that it wasn't the quarterback's fault in this game and also Jalen Rager I know that uh you know one of the bow football focus competitors ranked it as a, a good game for Jordan Mailata how did he look yeah, I would agree with what you said initially I you know I think they got uh he and Sayamalu did a terrible job on stunts and twists and games but when he was just blocking one-on-one I thought he was okay until the end he sort of fell apart there uh, on like the last, I don't know if it was the last series or the second to last series, all of a sudden um, they were a complete disaster. But I thought after uh, early on, they, you know, like I said, they, they did give up pressure on those stunts and twists, but I didn't think he was terrible other than that. I, you know, I thought Matt Pryor was sort of a disaster the entire game, which everybody saw live and is not really uh, surprising, but I thought he was really their biggest issue in pass protection. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay. Should we get two turkeys to the kingdom? What is turkey? Uh Uh-oh, we're doing that thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, your seven options. Yeah, your seven options. Your seven options that are in your article, which uh, people can now officially read. On theathletic.com slash Philly. Thank you to uh, all of the Eagles. To all of you who didn't listen to Bo and went ahead and read. I I appreciate you. I thought it was a really good call. <laughs> uh, so the options are for Jeffrey Lurie to do after this season. Nothing. Clip Doug, meaning, you know, bring in a, a play caller and keep him around. Clip Howie. Clip them both. Fire Doug. Fire Howie. Fire them both. And and clipping Howie would, would mean bringing in essentially what they had with uh, Joe Douglas before, like like uh, how he keeps final say or keeps the title, but they have a different person. Uh, uh, no, I think it would be a – Yeah, loses yeah I think say. it's a step okay. further than that. That uh, okay. Again, I don't know what that role would be. Maybe that was a, uh, a bad option. I don't know. It, it would just be a way to – you give him a raise, you give him a promotion, but, uh, you know, listen, you're not in charge of all the personnel or at least – I don't know. I don't know. Would there be a setup where somebody would at least be in charge of final say on the draft? Or is that a weird setup? I don't know. But in my head, it's more than just Joe Douglas. Okay. Okay. Now, could it be like he has the Joe Banner role? Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's a yeah, good okay. example. Yeah, I think that's okay. right. Yeah, well, as as Shiel said, though, you know, the promotion demotion, yeah. basically. But it's know. it's it's not 2015, Howie, where like you're not allowed near. No, the no, no, no. Well, that would be it, also. I mean, that would be clips. No, also, but like the Joe but, Banner role, where yes, where correct. like you're overseeing yes. things, but but someone else. Yes, is that's it. Still involved. Okay. I don't know if advisor is the right thing or what, but I don't even know if such a role role exists. I don't know if Howie would even want to do it that. It would role, be a high falutin title. Yeah. It would yeah, it'd be like executive vice president yeah. or you know it would be like chief football operator uh, you know uh, cfo or something what's, like that chief football operations what's, or, what's jeffrey lurie's production company doesn't he have a what was what's the zach he oh does. zach doesn't know the name I, of it wow yeah. i'm shocked i actually watched that his, is uh, an oh upset i watched his uh documentary recently it was it was, it was really okay. good um all right it's but, not uh, important i'll look it up no i'm i'm, I'm getting it now as we talk <laughs> Bo, okay. Why don't, why don't we first, start? Uh, okay, uh, let's go with the possibility of nothing. Play act. Play. I have it as. It's, 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 it's play <laughs> action. Who I, yes. I definitely mm. did not yes. know that. It's play action pictures, and they have the worst play action offense in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's,
That's why he wants Gangarello to come. That's why. Yeah, just the Maybe Gangarello will be the producer on his next film. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so. That's amazing. By the way, the the. Uh, the, trading, um, you know, trading a first-round pick for Kyle <laughs> Shanahan, but just making him in charge of production. The uh, documentary was was totally under control, which which is kind of like an ominous thing for how the season. All of a sudden, all right. of a well, sudden, and it's, and it's just filleting the administration for their yeah. handling. They're winning COVID, all right? these Oscars yeah. with Kyle Shanahan, and you know, Scangarellis, the scapegoat. All right, anyway, play action pictures. Bo, go ahead. Uh, I have one turkey on him doing absolutely nothing. What really? I'm shocked by that. Okay. What do you have? I don't know. I didn't. Th- th- I told you I haven't thought about this yet, but I, I, I can tell I, you I'm surprised. I have zero. Zero. I have zero. But I, I should probably go on. Oh my god! Oh, like, like, I'm gonna be yeah. much higher. But go ahead. Okay. Well, you know we're supposed to oh, go. We're, we're going... gonna do. We're gonna give oh, our turkeys. Man, all yeah. right. Well, yeah. give me a second. Uh, we don't have any. Uh, yeah, all okay. Right. All right. Let's see. I... Uh, okay, all right. Yeah. I'll just do. It. I'm just gonna, gonna do it as I go along, and then if I need to tweak it at the end, I will. How about that? Okay, but you can't. We can't just tweak it just to win game theory wise. But go ahead. No, I will. I I will do the honor code. All right, run it back with Peterson and Roseman, and we have a hundred turkeys. A hundred turkeys. All right, and, and run it back with. It's not without just any back. clipping. It's the, yeah, yeah. With, with, without like any, Peterson yeah. calling the plays and Roseman in charge of everything. Yeah. Uh, I would put that at a uh, fifteen. Okay. I don't I think I'll, that, I'll, I'll I'll change mine from from zero to five. I what I said on the podcast on on the other night that like I feel like doing I'm not it's not really it's a misnomer to say doing nothing because you're still going to be you know probably bringing in other coaches and whatever. But I think this is a a probably a more defensible um, choice than just firing Doug or something like that. Well, but we'll get to that. But I don't think it's what's I don't think it's what I mean. Happen. My reasoning for this would be. Like Lurie takes a, a step back from the season. He says, we made the playoffs three years in a row. These guys won me a Super Bowl. Uh, and also, I think a big factor is, like, if you're tied to Wentz for 2021, then is this the time to make a huge, uh, now we can get to that in, in the future options, maybe it is, but is this the time to make such a huge move? Or do you just say, you know what, it was a weird season with COVID and the injuries. We, it's not like we have a lot of roster flexibility. Let's see if we can just, uh, you know, Doug didn't lose the locker room. Maybe he and the coaches work together for a full off season and maybe we can uh, get this thing fixed for 2021. Yeah, I, I guess when I thought run it back, like I was thinking everything's the same, you know. Yeah, and that's what just it is. say that. No, but like the staff basically, and 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 that it's it's just making changes to the roster and th- and thinking this was a, a a weird fluky year and it'll be it'll it'll be better next year. I I can't imagine Jeffrey just sitting on his hands and and, and saying like there's no problem whatsoever. Okay. All right. Next up, we have uh, the clip Doug possibility. So I have this as five. Turkeys. So someone else takes over play calling, basically. Mm-hmm. Right, or you know, you know, you bring in a, a Graham Harrell type, and yeah. it's it's well, maybe build as Doug's still the play caller, but it's a it's a really a, a big new offensive mind. Okay, get those clothes, whoever needs to. That's okay. me. Okay, uh, I will put this at a one. Ooh, okay, I put this at fifteen. Really? Why? Why would Doug yeah. sign up for this? Well, that's a valid. No. Question, and they tried but... this. Ba- I mean, not to the play calling extent, but they tried this last off season. I mean, really, what? But, the, would... but they couldn't. They couldn't hire a legitimate offensive. Oh my god! Because of the play calling, this would be such it. a terrible solution to their problems, in my opinion. This would be a disaster. If like, if, if if Doug 
if if they look at Doug and they say Doug has a lot of really good qualities as a head coach, his grip of the locker room, uh, you know, he has a culture in place here. Uh, but we need a new voice on offense. We need someone uh, different working with uh, Carson. Then yeah, then I and if 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 Doug wanted to stay, then I I can see that happening. Doug, Doug says, "Screw you." I'm out well, of here. I think that, yeah. That's why I, I put it at a one. I well, I mean, I think you. I think we maybe overrate that. Like, you like, you know, presumably he likes he likes the guys in the locker room. He likes the other coaches. Like, are we sure about you know, that? There's there's a bit of an unknown and going somewhere else. I don't think it's a done Does he deal. Does like he the would, situation? He would just say Does no. Does he like the front office? Now you're going to take play calling yeah. away from him. Mm-hmm. So he has. So he's won a Super Bowl, and now he can't. You you changed his coaching staff. He has no say in personnel, and now you won't let him call plays. And you're telling me he's gonna? I mean, listen, we can. I'm not saying he's going to be happy about it, but he, you know, he he does have a contract. I mean, all right. Uh, I I think that's highly unlikely. I would be I would be shocked by that. Okay. Right. Uh, next up, we have clipping Howie and keeping the coaching staff as is. I have this as two turkeys. Yeah, I'll give I, I'll give this a one. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the uh, solution they go towards. Yeah, I, I had this at ten, but that's that's too high. I I did more round numbers than I probably should have. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't. Think Sounds like a drop right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so. Well, so that's all right, Zach. You're, if you're if we're you know diversifying your bets, you've got the uh, most turkeys on two of the bets so far. Yeah, well, that's that's my things. Of, uh, I I did diversify here because I simply don't know yet what they're gonna do. Okay. Well, yeah, that's the whole exercise. Uh, all right, clipping both of them. I have this as one turkey. Yeah, I'll stick with one for this too. So I've got all three of these options as one. I had this as ten. <laughs> oh man, Zach just did I mean, ten on everyone. Yeah. It's going <laughs> to be a good I, strategy, actually. My big one's coming up here. Okay. Uh, next up is fire Doug and keeping the front office basically as is. I have it as forty. That's what I had. I had forty as well. You got a lot of turkeys to play with. Uh, I will go. Let's see how many more do we have after this. Two more. All right, I'm I'm gonna go higher on this. I will go. Uh, f- well, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to game theory it. How how fair do I need to be here? I mean, I definitely want to be higher than both of you on this. I could. I actually I actually added incorrectly, so I should have this higher. But if, if we're if we're all right, basically, I wanted this to be the most, so I I should have this at forty five. Okay, so I'll go. I I could go forty six if I want to be cheaper. I can go fifty if you want. to Yes, be. correct. All right. I'll I'll go fifty. Let's be nice. Okay, so well, you got that actually. One, never mind. This is cutthroat. I'm going forty six. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> uh, but, all right, but 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 yes, I I I mean, I think that uh, you think this is. The, we all think this is of the seven the most things likely. the most likely scenario. I do. Yes. 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 Okay, and uh, and and look, if if I'm not like I'm not speculating here that, that that this is what could happen, but you look at the Toronto Raptors when when Dwayne Casey moves on. If, if this guy's just they, auditioning for no. like a first taker, look at these cross sport <laughs> no. references. And, and, he's trying to take yeah. he's trying to take his boy Nick Wright's job, <laughs> and they promote Nick Nurse and they win the finals with Nick Nurse. Like if if you're keeping things intact and you go, let's say. Deuce Staley becomes the head coach, uh, and they keep Howie. Like, uh, and they bring in a different offensive play caller, but you try to keep the culture in place. It, it wouldn't, um, 
like uh, totally shock me. But again, I I don't want to speculate on on who the coach would be because I, I I because Doug's the coach right now. Now speaking of auditioning for a new job, Marissa, I don't know. Are are you still listening uh, there? I don't know if you have. I'm still uh, listening. Okay, I don't know if I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you had that uh, that drop ready, we could play it or we can play it later. Whatever's easiest. Um, we got it. This is for those like Bo who questioned my commitment to the show. They've they've gotten good value for a player that would sure. have meant nothing to them this season. So that's sure. fine. I loved it. Bo, our friend our friend Bo Wolf called uh, Metcalf a unicorn because that's what he is. I was like, what does this guy remind me of? Our friend Bo Wolf. Wow, the around the you know Bo makes one appearance on the Around the NFL podcast. And all of a sudden, host Mark Sessler, are you, are you driving him to the airport now, Bo? Wow, you're, you're, you're digging deep for like a four-second wow, clip. That's, our uh, friend Bo will highly listen to uh, podcasts, you know, really up there in the ratings. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm questioning your commitment. You probably listened to that before you listened to really, this. Really, uh, they, they mentioned Bo. I've, I feel like they've mentioned him on 90% of the episodes since he was on there. So, uh, Zach, we could be, you know, it could be uh, me, you, and Marissa in a few weeks. Who knows? It wouldn't surprise me. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think that would surprise All me. All right. What's next? All right. Next up is the fire Howie possibility and keep Doug intact. I have this as three turkeys. I just said five. Yeah. I, I don't see it happening. One. This would shock me. Okay. This would really shock okay. me. And then last is the fire both option. I think I'm going to be the highest one here. I have it as 43 turkeys. Yeah. I had it at, at, at 15. Um, oh, okay, because you didn't use any on the run it back one, Bo. That's why I was wondering how you had Correct. more than me. Let's see. How many turkeys do I have left here? 46, 61, uh, 62, 63, 64, 65. I've, so I, I have 35 to spend on this one. Hmm. So it's my second most likely. Now, with the Doug uh, Howie stuff, yeah, I think we just have to remember how many people Howie Roseman has outlasted in this organization. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Jeffrey Lurie had Joe Banner as, as his right-hand man, and then he had Howie Roseman as his right-hand man, and Andy Reid came and went, and Joe Banner came and went, and Chip Kelly came and went, and Doug Peterson could potentially come and go. I mean, and there's there's a number of other, but you know, pretty big names that we could mention there. And so Roseman has really been Lurie's guy and so exactly. and so yes. it, like that is the part that is you know I, I know fans are frustrated and there are uh, probably many listeners who would like them to choose this option number seven I, I just wonder if Lurie has like sort of the I don't know if the confidence is the right word but if he's would be overwhelmed at the idea of having to uh, undertake a coaching and GM search at the same time in the same offseason uh, without anybody like Howie Roseman to um, sort of help him, help guide him through that. I mean, they moved Howie Roseman out of football operations. That would have been a very easy time after Chip Kelly to make a clean break and say, I'm hiring a coach and a GM, new regime. They didn't do that. They brought Howie Roseman back. You know, they fired Andy Reid. That even could have been a time where you say, all right, we're starting We're starting over here. They did not do that. Howie Roseman uh, had more uh, control and power there. And so um, it's just sort of hard for me to believe, but not impossible uh, given the way the season is gone. And, you know, Jeffrey Lurie has the copious notes that he has. Maybe he would be willing to make a move, but that's why I'm less, uh, I'm a little more hesitant on it. Yeah, Shield I mean, took I, the yeah. I'm I'm sorry. You go, Bo. No, no. Go ahead. You because you're you're following. Go ahead. Yeah. Shield took the words right out of my mouth and 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 put it much better than I could. That uh, you know Jeffrey has has owned this team for what 26 years. 
he's done this four times, two times with Joe, two times with Howie. Um, if if he completely blew this up, um, he would be essentially going solo. And that's and that's not to say Jeffrey can't do that or or doesn't have contacts around the league. But the the nature of the search is different when you don't have have kind of that 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 person with you. And I think that in I ideally what what they would like is is to have that role kind of grow organically. So someone in place to, I mean, just like how he took over for Joe at some point to have that organic replacement who Jeffrey has that comfort with for, for Jeffrey. Well, to go blind, but who's to say that they don't already have that person. What if, I mean, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. That's it's possible. Okay. They have a guy that they have identified as being worthy of that. Right. It's possible. And, and that might be where, where you jump in as well. Like is I mean, do you, oh, think, you think that it's me? A, no. You think he's gonna hire me? <laughs> no, do you think that that that? You think Jeffrey's listening? Is like the Bo Wolf? That's the guy we need <laughs> yeah. to run in the work. No, I mean, I, I, well, they're definitely I think, listening. Look, yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially to to minute what eighty six here, right. seventy six. Yeah, um, I mean, I I think I think we um you know it is it is easy to lose sight of the fact that you know it's it's Jeffrey Lurie's team. Like you know he he's gonna do what he wants to do, and like if if it makes him happy to be going through this process with Howie then you know it, it's his right to do that that's Absolutely. fine um but I think yeah I mean it's it's he's loyal to the person until he's not loyal anymore like it's Joe Banner is a, was like a friend of his yeah, growing up good and point. He, he cut him loose at some point like you know at some point he's you know not he, to make it personal like the guy you know he, he's He's been divorced. He he's under he understands that there are times when you have to move on. Like that's it's not to make it personal. Wow, but... what a comparison! Wasn't I'm just saying, that. like you know, he's 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 lived to see it through on the other side and be happy. Like it it yeah. could it could happen again. Yeah, the ban- I mean, the banner point is is certainly a good one. Now now that one, I think it goes to Zach's point where he felt like he had someone in place mm-hmm. to uh, to replace him, and maybe he does behind the scenes. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there, there's not an easy. Um, like if just looking at the organization or the org chart, there's not like an easy bump up. I'm available, you know, uh, Jeffrey. Rate, review, subscribe. I thought, we were, I thought this was my uh, uh, Rate, job. review, subscribe. But, you know, my email is there on my uh, Twitter profile. I wouldn't have to uh, take these barbs from Bo when I uh, fairly miss a podcast. And so uh, I am available. It was their last, was their last uh, night game. It was, it was your last chance for a post-game yeah, pod, basically. Uh, somehow I'll get over it. Everybody down. Okay. All right. Well, this episode certainly went on longer than anybody anticipated, but I guess you could say that about most episodes. Yes, you uh, can. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, we'll be back on Friday around 1130 or mm-hmm. so on our live YouTube show. And, of course, remember oh, to wait, hold drop on. in your – Sorry to keep go you ahead. here. Zach, if you need to go, you, uh, <laughs> you can. But I, I have to announce the winner for the uh, yes. last oh, yes. Pastaficios. Um I counted to 26 as Marissa flexed and told us that was her uh, age during the last episode. And so I counted down 26 reviews. And uh, I think Bo's going to like this uh, this commenter. The commenter is down with Templar, uh, is the headline <laughs> by Rashawn Holmes. So thank you, Rashawn, for uh, listening. And the comment is Templar is Randy. Randy is Templar. That's it. And so if that was if that was your comment, please email birdswithfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, my wife got the gift cards from Pastaficios. Two of them have already been sent out. 
in the mail, wow. which is really the surprise of 2020, I would say. And so uh, send us send us an email, and we will get you your gift card. And then uh, go up, go on there. You probably want to rate review uh, very quickly today. That way, it's up there by Friday when we check again and pick another winner. There you go. So for Zach, Sheil, and Marissa, I'm Bo. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you Friday. And as always, we love you.